Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Josh, co-founder of Urban Valor. Welcome to another episode of the Urban Valor podcast. Our guest today is Navy veteran Cesar Gallegos. Cesar grew up in a rough gang neighborhood in Pomona, California. He's a first-generation Mexican-American and enlisted in the Navy to be able to provide for his family. He shares a story that impacted him on his first deployment about a pilot who saved his crew but was unable to save himself. Caesar had a successful transition out of the Navy, landing a job with SpaceX, and discusses the importance of being prepared to transition out of the military. If you enjoyed this episode, go give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to help support our veterans. The bigger the community, the bigger the impact. If you'd like to contribute your story to Urban Valor or know anyone else who may, reach out to us on Instagram at TV, or you can email us at team at urbanvalor.com. Enjoy the show. We're rolling. What's up, Caesar? Hey, how's it going, Josh? Hey, thanks for being here, brother. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's just start off. Just uh, how about you just introduce yourself and tell everybody what branch of service you served in and uh, which years you served. Uh, my name is Caesar Gallegos. I served in the United States Navy for eight years. Um, I showed up to boot camp in September 2009, and I left um, Top Gun Training Facility in August 2017. Nice, nice. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, your upbringing, what your childhood was like, and like how you were raised, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, I'm a first-generation Mexican-American. I, I grew up first half of my life in Pomona, um, right off of a, a Fairplex there. Um, I'm pretty, my parents are super traditional Mexican parents. Um, you know, the, my first half of my, of my life was very, like, gang influence for sure. Um, grew up in a near some neighborhoods that were always in some type of, of turf battle and stuff. Um, but I mean, it was, it was cool. You know, I was, uh, I was a skater kid. So mo- all of my friends were too. Um, we grew up with like the warp tour right up the, right up the block in the fairgrounds every year. Um, and then when I was, uh, what was it a uh, junior in high school, I moved out to Fontana. Um, it was a housing boom. Everybody started making money. I'm selling their old crappy houses in, uh, in California. So, we bought this like big, nice suburban home out there, and uh, my dad did. And I spent, you know, the rest of my young adult life there up until I joined. And that was a, a different vibe, like no more hoods, you know. At least when I was there, it wasn't that way. Um, we moved to this little like suburb called Southridge, um, and I went to Kaiser High School. Um, everybody got along in school, you know. There was like no race wars, like everybody was cool and stuff. And um, and then that's when I got introduced to like the like the more Mexican side of things, right? Like I'd grown up into like, like a more gangster community. I mean, over here was more like the ranch type um, Mexican guys. There's like ranches and ranch events and stuff and jaripeos and rodeos and shit. Um, <laughs> so I got in touch with that side of my, of my, of my, uh, my Mexican culture as well. What's a jaripeo? is like a big rodeo. You know, they show okay. up with horse, dancing horses and there's like bandas, like this traditional Mexican music and stuff. And, you know, corridos and stuff and it was like a uh, yeah it was a different era of my life I guess you could say um shifting into adulthood there um and then I I joined in 2009 uh two years after I or a year and a half after I graduated high school mm. so what uh what inspired you to join the military you know I was always I think I feel like most of the generation that I, I'm 32 years old you know um and we grew up in a very like action movie you know uh yeah, movies like Jarhead come out, and like I was always super fascinated with like World War II history and stuff. Um, I'm a huge history buff, 
And uh, I always thought being in the military was cool. And I mean, the, the commercials back then were sick, right? Like right. Army of One and uh, <laughs> Accelerate Your Life. And you had these guys in the fucking ships, like, you know, with the red lights riding on like some chalkboard or with the white pen or whatever. Um, and I remember hearing like, you know, get $50,000 to go to school. And I was like, damn, that's, that's a lot of money. Or at least I thought it was, right? I mm-hmm. thought it was like a cash check or something like that. Right. Obviously not. But um, I had a pretty serious girlfriend at the time. Um, and, you know uh she got pregnant i got her pregnant and i was like shit well i'm going nowhere fast i'm at community college taking the class here a class there and uh i wasn't the hardest worker man i was uh my dad did a pretty decent job at spoiling us when it came to like having jobs and stuff he was just like oh just make sure you're doing good in school um so i was like you know what i I need some structure i need uh i need some you know i need a job a good like you know a a long-lasting job to take care of this kid yeah. that's coming and uh yeah um I, I can't say that i'm like hugely patriotic or i wasn't at that point because i didn't come from that type of background like my dad wasn't a military guy neither was my grandpa you know i come from a, a line of ranchers and farmers and stuff so um how did they feel about you joining the military my dad was pretty cool about it man he was like you know what like this will probably be good for you like you need some structure in your life and my mom was obviously heartbroken everybody knows like well if you grew up in southern california you know like Mexican boys and their moms are fucking, you know, inseparable. Um, so she was like, I, I, if I'm honest with you, I'd never done a, a bill of laundry or made my bed up to that point. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. how much she took care of us and spoiled us. I mean, three meals a day, hot meals every day. It was, it was, it was fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, I was Good in for a shock. Too, yeah. Man. Yeah. So, uh, so I, 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 she was super heartbroken for sure. She's like, Oh, how are you going to leave your son? Like this and that. I was like, look, mom, like, this kid's got to eat, you know, yeah. and and I need I need to find a path to do something different because I'm just gonna sit here and the economy was shit at the time. It was you know oh eight oh nine, um, that big crash that just happened. So the only available jobs there was out there in the IE was like temp warehouse worker, you know, mm-hmm. and you can only do that shit for so long. Like I remember getting a job like on a Wednesday, and then Friday I was like ah I really don't want to come back Monday, you know. Like, um, yeah. Did you get the uh, Did you get to pick your job for the Navy? So check this out. I actually uh, um, shout out to my recruiter, Jason Rhodes. He's uh, he was the most honest recruiter I think anyone could have had, dude. I heard stories from people in boot camp who were like, "Dude, I, they told me I was gonna be a seal, you know, and like they were cooks," and uh, or they told me I was gonna be a nuke engineer, and they were like in my job, you know, which was an aircraft mechanic. And um, I, I did get to pick my job twice, actually. Um, I initially got a master at arms contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to boot camp week six, they do like a dispersing thing, right? Um, you like, you go up to admin and they like, they kind of restructure your whole contract kind of deal. Or they did to me at least. They were like, Hey dude, look like the quote has been filled for mastered arms. And like, this is a list of the shit that you can do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and at the time it was like, they had this thing called undesignated, which was like, you pretty much showed up with no job to the boat and you got to pick one later. Mm-hmm. Like when you did like a bunch of on the job training. Um, and you got to strike a rate is what they called it. Or you could be an aviation bosun's mates, which is the guys on the flight deck moving the planes around. Or you could be a fuelie, you fuel the planes or an ordnanceman, which loads the planes with, uh, with bombs and stuff. And I didn't think any of that other shit was really attractive. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go undesignated. And if I find something cool while I'm there, I'll just, I'll just do that, you know? Um, so I did. I went in and designated. And then once I got there, so I picked my initial job at, um, at MEPS. 
Then I got reassigned at boot camp. And then on the ship six months later, I, I became an aviation AM, aviation structural mechanic. Nice. Um, what did that job entail? What did you have to do to, to make it to like, I don't know, journeyman, if you will? Well, like um, on the, there's like three sites to it, I guess you could. Um, uh, the, the ship site is like, I was ship's company, so we didn't have like designated aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked on the aircraft when they showed up for deployment, right? When we go out to sea. So um, we pretty much did all like the intermediate level um, maintenance work and repair work. Uh, the, the organization level, which is a squadron level, you own aircraft the entire time. And they do like the more basic maintenance and then depot levels like um, like real in, in-depth uh, repairs, I guess you could say. Um, but on the ship, it was just like like you were half, they call them black shoes and brown shoes, you know, like you were half ship's company because you had to abide by like all their qualifications and rules and stuff. And we were also uh, aviation on the brown shoe side of things. So you had to get all those qualifications. Um, but it was just a lot of um, PQS, as they call them, you know, personal qualification standards. It's just a bunch of... Um, like uh on the job training you know mm. like you pretty much do it with a guy who's already qualified yeah and if he says you're good he signs off on your qual and then you slowly get signatures on this thing and you do a quick little board with like your your chief or the first class in charge of your division and stuff and uh and they give you the qualification on paper mm. um i got lucky i got sent off to do um these schools called composite repair where you work with like um carbon fiber and kevlar fiberglass mm. so i had a really cushy job there man i had an ac shop out in the desert. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong. You still have to do a lot of shitty stuff, you know, but yeah. for the most part, like um, my work was pretty um, intricate. I guess you could say it had like, it had to be cold in there for the repairs for these like resins you mix to cure. Um, and it was like, I guess, highly sought after in the aviation world, um, even in the civilian world, which led me to get my job that I have today that I'm super thankful for, you know? Um, yeah. So I got a, I got a pretty, I, I picked the right path, I guess you could say, yeah. um, as far as uh, my Navy career goes. Where did you uh, Where did you go to school at? Um, Coronado. They oh, have wow. a, Yeah, they have a, a it's called, uh, fuck, Advanced Composite Repair Level 1 or something like that. Mm. And it's like a civilian guy teaches it. Um, and he showed up. It was great, dude. I mean, I showed up. The first thing uniform, he's like, all right, guys, like the civilian class. You don't have to shave. You don't have to just show up tomorrow, you know, in yeah. your regular clothes. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> so um, they gave me a, a credit card with like, you know, a rental car. And they're like, all right, dude, here, you're off for four weeks. Go have fun. Wow. Um, in so, Coronado, man. In Coronado. Yeah. The weather was beautiful. It was summertime in LA, you know. And so, and me yeah. being from so nearby, I got to see family the whole time. It was, it was nice. I got treated pretty well right there, right yeah. off the bat. So um, um, where did you land for your first duty station? So that Coronado training I did after, right? After my first deployment, after I had struck. Um, oh, okay. So that was like a, a, a training post. But initially I flew from, so I got out of Great Lakes um, and those was like basic training. Flew over to leave, went to Virginia where my ship was supposed to be at, but it was out to sea on its deployment, right? It was like halfway through. Um, and they flew me to like Italy and then to um, Bahrain, which mm-hmm. is like one of the jump off stations. And then I, I landed on the ship on those, uh, damn it, I'm already forgetting things. Um, hmm. I can't remember the name of the plane anymore, but it, it's a COD. That's what it was, a personnel carrier. Mm-hmm. And I caught the wire, dude. So, you know, my first experience, I was looking out that window and the ship looked this big, you know? Wow. And then, like, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, like, I landed on the flight deck and that it was like a movie. The fucking door comes down, you know? And it's like, get the fuck out, get out, get out. 
and they had like a uh, fucking uh, all the sea bags were like under that net, you know, that cargo net. Yeah. They're like, grab your shit, get the fuck. I was like, oh my God, when you get out and the jets are spinning, you know, and they're launching off the fucking flight deck. And it's just like, <laughs> oh man, what the fuck did I get into, dude? <laughs> so, and I was just super overwhelmed, you know, emotionally, but you're a kid. So I was just super excited, you know, and, um, and then they put us all down in the boat and that I was on that boat. I was on that deployment um, on the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower for um, the first four months of my military um, real experience, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, earlier we were talking, you mentioned, uh, an, you know, something you had experienced when you first got there. Um, you want to talk about that? <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, I guess it was my reality check. I had been there about two, the first two or three days are pretty hectic, right? Like it's a bunch of check-in, bunch of paperwork to make sure that, you know, everybody knows you're on the ship pretty much got to account for you. Um, and then the first day that like things settled down and I got to my shop was about three days after. Um, and I remember I asked the guys like, Hey, how do I communicate to my wife that I'm safe? You know, that I'm here. I was already married then. I was 20 years old and married. Right. Um, typical, uh, military move. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and they're like, Oh, we're in river city. You can't do that. And I was like, what the, what the hell's river city? You know? So he saw that I looked puzzled as hell. So he's like, Oh, here, dude, sit down. Let me tell you what happened. And then like, you know, you could, you could, uh, kind of decipher it. Um, so I guess river cities, like they cut all communications leaving the ship. Um, you can only receive messages, but I, my wife didn't even know my email address there at the point at that point. And, um, a pilot, um, had gotten down in the water. So I guess what, uh, what happened was that one of the propellers on these, uh, E2C2s or these huge surveillance planes, right. Um, had seized up like mid flight. Um, so he dropped the, the door on the, on the aircraft and he let his crew get out. Um, and then he, you know, guys, the lowest possible to water, let these guys jump out. And then I guess right before he was about to jump out the plane, um, the other one seized up. And since he was so close to the water already, it was like immediate impact. Right. Um, but he had a fucking, they carry this life vest, you know, that, um, that has a, a GPS beacon in it and they had picked up a signal. Um, so they thought maybe just maybe he was out there floating somewhere waiting from waiting for someone to pick him up um, So the ship didn't want any of these news getting out, you know, for whatever reason if like there was I don't know um, like you know, Bad guys nearby or whatever that wanted to pick him up before us or just to keep it from going out to the media to his family before the Navy could communicate with them um, and Then he was never found, you know, they never found him yeah. and like a, a week later they did his his memorial in the flight deck, I mean, in the, in the hangar bay. And I didn't even, I didn't even know this guy, right? Like I had never met him. Um, but I remember like seeing his wife and his, and his kids there. And like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a whole show, dude. I mean, like they're in super pain. I think even his parents came on board and they got this, this picture, you know, out there of him. They're going to do like a, a burial at sea kind of deal. And it's just like, it's such a reality check. You know, it's, um, you join with such excitement of thinking it's just like this, like a video game. At least that's what I thought, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, boom, immediately the first week I was there, it's like, look, dude, if you don't fucking like people are going to die out here, you know, no, there's nothing you can do about it. There's 5,000 people on board. Just like statistics alone says that a few guys aren't going to make it back. Um, and that just, it stuck with me after that, you know, I was just like, man, I really got to be careful out here. This, sh this shit isn't a game. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was like my first reality check. Um, in the military for sure. Wow. So what was your, what was your, uh, typical day like being on ship? Uh, dude, the ship life, um, 
for all you Navy guys that see this, uh, see, that's what I'm saying. That's what's such a, sh a shout out to my recruiter. He kind of broke all of this down before I even got there. You know, mm -hmm. he's like, look, dude, it's going to suck. Deployment suck. Um, but you, you're going to get back and it's, it's going to be like a normal job. You go to work every day and you go home every day, right? When we're, when we're port side, when we're home, but out to sea, it's, it's a 12 on 12 off day. So you wake up in the morning, you show up to your shop, you get a list of stuff that has to get done and you have 12 hours to do as much as you possibly can. And then the second shift, you know, the night shift comes in and then you're off for 12 hours. But you would think like you don't have uh, it, I mean, you're in a ship, you know, there's only so much you could do before you're bored as shit. So, um, <laughs> I always, it, when people ask me like, oh, what was it like? I was like, man, it was just, you were just really bored. You're either lifting weights or eating, right? Yeah. Um, you had like the Air Force, or what is it called? Armed Forces Network on the TVs that, or you could watch <laughs> like flight operations, which is pretty much it, you know? So you're watching yeah. like whatever movie had come out right before you left yeah. was on the loop or, <laughs> um, or you were, you, you were working out. We had, we did have gyms. We had like three or four gyms in there. I'm um, just in different places with like, you know, cardio gyms and weight gyms and stuff. So everybody got jacked. Everybody got yeah. in shape because there's nothing else to do. I um, mean, you watch movies and you talk shit all day. You know right. what I mean? Like you get off work and you're, you go back to your shop because it has AC um, or you're birthing. You're just kind of sitting there playing spades or cards or whatever. Or, or you're in, we had these little things called um, these little rooms. I can't even remember what they're called. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were like little lounges. That's what they were. The lounges in the birthings. And it was just a bunch of guys just, you know, talking shit, uh, getting in your head, you know. It's just, uh, <clears throat> it's like a big fraternity house, I guess you yeah, could say, yeah. on, on the guy's side. So, did you guys ever uh, uh, getting into any beef with each other being. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we called one of my buddies, Tobias. Um, he was there my, my first and I think it was part of my second. No, just the first deployment. Um, like, what did we call it? I think we called it like getting shut down or some shit like that, right? Like you think you're this big tough guy, but there's always a guy who's bigger than you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, you know, you always had guys that get right up to that point, And then one of them realizes like, damn, I'm probably gonna get my ass beat right now. So <laughs> they chill out. And you know, it's, it's super frowned upon, right? Like that's the last thing you need out to like out in operations is, um, some type of conflict in between people, but it happens, you know, they do happen. And, um, I never got, you know, I was always just, I was a little more, I picked my, my, like the people I was super close with a little tighter than a lot of people. I mean, there's 150 people in my division, you know, so, um, you couldn't be friends with everyone, I guess, if you wanted yeah. to say that, but the guys that were in my shop that I was super close with, we were all pretty, uh, on the same page as far as, uh, you know, little conflicts here and there, but yeah. uh, nothing crazy. What was your favorite thing about being on ship? The port calls, man, for sure. I think <laughs> anyone who's ever been in the Navy and has done a med cruise, um, will tell you that. Like I said, growing up here in Southern California, the only other place I'd ever been to outside of, of LA or outside of California was Mexico, right? Um, where my parents were from. Um, so going to places like Italy and um, Portugal and Spain, um, they were like dreams come true, dude, you know, for, yeah. a, for a young kid that didn't come from a whole lot. Um, yeah, it was, it was intense. Again, I'm a huge history guy, so I got to go to the Coliseum and to the Vatican. And I was like, oh, shit, like I never nice. thought I would be in a place like this, so. <clears throat> that was the best part for sure how often did you have to uh, do that like what were your rotations like they sucked they they really did dude um it was like a little like a little bone they threw at you you know i mean it was still great don't get me wrong but i mean you'd go out to sea for you know 40 50 days and then you pull in for a week to port um 
And out of those, you, you were there for four days most of the time, right? You don't want to be there too long, I guess, operations-wise. I'm not sure exactly why, but you're there for like four days. And then one of those days you had duty, right? So you had to stay on the boat. Mm. So you really had three days. So you had to jam-pack as much as you can possibly. And then one day you're going to be hammered, right? Because the first thing you do when you get off the boat is go get beer. and Because um, the drinking age is 18. Um, so you go get shit-faced the first day. The second day you're somewhat hungover and you're trying to get the sightseeing in. So you really have like one or two days to really um, take in this other country that you've never been to. Um, and then you go back out for another 40, 45 days and then you come in again. It's just back and forth, back and forth. And the appointments are usually like seven, you know, six, seven months. Mm. Um, and you come home for a little bit and you go back out again. So, And did, did uh, <clears throat> your wife eventually, did she move over to the base? Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty quick, dude. I Like I said, I landed... On that, on my first deployment there, um, then we pulled into Virginia. I was stationed in Virginia for five years uh, on the Ike, and she met me there. This is this is how you know we were kids, dude. I mean, like, who flies out with a nine-month-old baby, you know, mm-hmm. just for me telling her, like, hey, meet me there. We had nowhere to stay, you know. We had oh, wow. we didn't have a car. Like, it was it was a dumb move, but um, I don't know, dude. I guess like. It's part of being young, you know, and not um, not thinking ahead and not being scared half the time. So mm. um, we were in a hotel for about a week before we found a place to live. And then, we, you know, luckily you put money together because you're out to see if you can't really spend it on a whole lot. And um, and my wife at the time was home with her parents, so she didn't, you know, have a whole lot of expenses either. So um, I think I had like, I don't know, we put six grand together when I was out to see. So you get back, that's enough for like a deposit. Um, to buy like a mattress and spoons and plates <laughs> and like I think I put a down payment on a, like a little Volkswagen that I bought and, and that was it dude she was out there with me for five years you know mm. and uh, did you ever at any point did you change duty stations or assignments or anything yeah yeah like uh, I went over to um, after you we're on a seashore rotation in, in the navy and mine was five three so five years out to sea and then three years you know you go uh, on a shore duty so my short duty was at Top Gun Training Facility. Um, it's uh, it was in uh, Nevada, mm. in uh, Fallon. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, nothing like the movie Top Gun, by the way. Uh, no, no. How do you is that? Is that, <laughs> is that where that's at? Right there. In the so movie? yeah, well, in the movie, it's in Coronado, right? Oh. So right. because it was the '80s, so there was not really like any uh, Middle East conflicts then. You know, they were right. very light still. So the training was pretty much like I, what I want to say was like you know. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, but it seemed like, in the movie at least, it seemed like it was like a, a cool little getaway for pilots, you know? Right. But here it was like, it was super serious. So like these guys were out there, um, you know, they had the terrain, which is, I'm guessing, very similar to like the mountains of Afghanistan and, and Iraq and the, out there in the desert in Fallon. Um, and they would show up and it was, and it's like, it's a pretty demanding schedule for them. They're flying all fucking day, like all day. They get in that plane and then they go up and do dogfights and they get, um, they have like these makeshift cities you know, 100 miles out, 200 miles out or whatever. And they go and they bomb these targets and come back. And I was doing the same thing there, maintenance on planes, you know, fucking breaking down rust, changing parts, mm. you know, the, all the all the stuff to keep them going, to keep them flying. Did you get to see some of these dogfights? Well, I mean, they're, they're up and they go, you know, they, they take off with their, tra- their they're like simulated dogfights. Right. So you have like the bad guys, which is like the, the instructors, right? Mm-hmm. And then the... Uh, the good guys are trying the students and they have to be up in the air and they, you know, they do all these, but they're in F-18s or they go out, you know, 20, 30 miles. Yeah. You don't see them for an hour and they show up and they lose most of the time is what I hear. Um, but I wasn't super involved in like the, the, 
the culture of it all on their yeah. side, you know. Um, did, did you ever get an opportunity to go up with any of them? I didn't. No, yeah. I got to fly on a Hilo um, on a on a sixty. Um, I did a repair debt um, out in uh, in Bahrain, so I got to I flew I got a cat shot, which is super fucking cool on on the COD. Mm. Um, so I got to get shot off the the catapult on the on the aircraft carrier, and then on the way back the COD broke. So they, they flew me back on a, on a helicopter, mm. which is pretty cool, but not that cool when you're hungover, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, uh, no, I, I never got to fly like the actual jets, you know, yeah, yeah. never got to be, or, you know, a lot of guys do, they get like these opportunities where they're like sailor of the year or something like that. Um, or they reenlist in the plane, right? Yeah. You could pick to reenlist anywhere. Um, so they go up on this, on these jets and they have a good time up there, but I, I never got to do it now. That mm, sounds like it's pretty difficult to get. It's pretty rare, dude. I think yeah. I know maybe two people, um, that have ever done it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, you know, you meet shit ton of people in the Navy. Yeah. Like, I remember so. watching that movie growing up, like everybody wanted to be a fighter pilot. Oh, yeah, dude, <laughs> I mean, you know, I tried while I was in, there was this thing called the state 21. It was like a, 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 a pilot program. And I applied for it, but you know, you gotta be like shit hot too. Yeah. You gotta have like a pretty impressive resume right off the bat as an enlisted personnel for them to be like, all right, this guy's worth sending to, you know, college and, and then to flight school and then make him a pilot, you know, but yeah, yeah, those guys are like, they're immortalized on the flight deck, you know, yeah. they're, they're these, these guys that go drop bombs and save Marines and yeah, it's, they're impressive for sure. What was the, um, you know, adjustment like for you? Cause you mentioned that growing up you know your mom did everything for you laundry food everything and then yeah one of the military you got to do all your own shit yeah that right? shit was a wake-up call man for <laughs> sure i remember like week two of boot camp i'm like shaving you know mm-hmm. i didn't even have face hair but you do it anyways you yeah. know because i'm gonna call you out anyway so i remember sitting there looking in the mirror like what the fuck did you do dude like why what are you doing here like like half these people don't like you know what i mean yeah don't give a shit about you like you'd be home with your mom's cooking and in your bed but you just stick it out, you know? I remember my dad leaving and he's telling me, like, I remember he told me, he was like, hey, dude, like, give it, give it all you got. Make sure you, you fucking, you come back with that uniform, you know? Because mm-hmm. I, ha- I had that reputation as a kid, dude, you know? Like, any, if you ever met any of my siblings, they will tell you, like, I'd like to pick shit up and leave shit done halfway. That's mm-hmm. just, like, the attitude I had because I think it was partly because my mom coddled me so much and partly because it was just my personality, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I picked something up and if I wasn't good at it, I was like, ah, I'm not doing that no more. Um, so I liked things that came easy to me. I liked like when I was good at something and I was not good at being in the Navy. I mean, you know, no one is, you're not supposed to be right in boot camp. Mm-hmm. Like everything's supposed to be hard. Everything's supposed to suck. Um, so yeah, I thought about it a lot. I was like, man, this shit, this thing really sucks. I don't want to be here. But then you get done and it's like, it's such a sense of accomplishment that you're like, hell yeah, fuck, I, I did this much. Like, what's the next thing? You know, what's the next thing? Yeah. Um, and that's when you start building that, like. I think that responsibility that a lot of military military guys are famous for, right? Like that, that punctuality and that, like that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Were your parents able to make it to your graduation? They weren't. No, no, no. My dad's, uh, my dad's wasn't a very good guy growing up, so he couldn't travel like that to other places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in the Mexican community, my mom, you know, mom stick with the husbands, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, no, my wife and my sister came out. Mm. And my son, who, who, has, who was born three days before I left. Oh, that's a great feeling. Yeah, dude, that was that was intense, man. I, 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 got, I, I will say, like, I do thank most of my success um, to, like, that drive you get from being a, a parent, you know? 
Um, yeah, there was times that I was like, all right, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> and then I really thought about it. I was like, no, no, I can't. You know, like, I, I got to st- gotta stick it around for the kid and for the wife. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was challenging for sure. So you did a total of what, eight years, right? Yeah, eight years. Um, what was your favorite part about that eight years of service? I think most people will say it's the people you get to meet, you know? Mm-hmm. You create these bonds with these guys that, like, you come from all walks of life and different belief systems most of the time and different cultures. And, and you create this weird bond that, like, up to date, like, I could pick up the phone and call any of these guys. You know, it's like like we're back on the boat, you know, you know 10 years ago or whatever it is now. Um, I think that part is the hardest part is leaving those people behind. That's why I try to keep, like, as much contact with as many of them as possible. Um mm-hmm. But it's difficult, you know, it's, it's either you're in different states or people, you know, pick different walks of life after, after the military. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the part that I think, um, I think emotionally as a person is the part that I, that I think that I got the most out of, um, professionally, just habits, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing not to quit, you know, knowing that you like, there's something about knowing that you don't have a choice, but to do what you have to do, mm-hmm. um, once that gets drilled into you enough, you kind of take that with you forever. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, you don't re- like I said, you don't really have a choice. You know, if someone, people don't ask you to do things in the military, you just, you just do them. You know, right. it's like if a guy tells you you're, you know, your chain of command tells you to do something, you just go do it. Um, so here I, I apply that to work a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and it's been really good for me. It's, you know, it's helped me succeed pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. Post Navy. So, um, I want to get into like transitioning out and all that. But before I do, is there anything that you want to get in there, you know, during your time in service? Um, You know what I think? Um, I always thought, like I said, I wasn't like, um, I'm not a combat veteran, so I don't know like that side of things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I do, from the people that I have met that, um, that did have a really life changing experience that find it hard to push through, you know, day to day. Um, post or combat experience. Um, if there's any message to send out, I would like to like tell all the kids out there, you know, cause we were kids at the time, 18, 19 years old. Um, you're a kid, um, to not take that decision so lightly. You know what I mean? Like to know that it is going to be life changing. Like even if you don't go to combat, right? Like you're going to be a different person coming out of there no matter what. Um, and for, and a lot of good comes out of it. Uh, but do know that there is a possibility that you, you got to be ready for it. You know, it's not a game. It's not, it's not PlayStation. Just know that, um, it can be life changing for you for the rest of your life. And, and you got to be willing to be ready for that and to accept that because, um, there's no going back, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so after eight years, um, what, what, uh, what inspired you to make the decision to, to transition out? Uh, family for sure. Yeah. 100%. One thing that I think that I still find difficult is that uh, father-son relationship that I have with my son. It's still in the works, you know, and it always is. Normally, like as a normal parent, I think as a non-military parent, you, you, you know, it's it's difficult as it is. But as a military parent, like, I, I mean, I would show up for, you know, six, seven months and then I would be gone for six, seven months. Um, and the military always came first, right? Like it, it, was, it was before family. So I think... Um, my son, uh, my wife did a great job at playing both roles while I was gone, but um, she shaped him or started raising him the way that, you know, she saw like fit. Um, and I feel like for the first 
you know, six years of his life, um, he had no like real fatherly influence, you know, like I came home and I mostly just wanted to spend time with him. And then when he did things that I didn't like, um, I, w- I didn't have the patience to deal with it. Right. Because, mm-hmm. again, being in the military, everything in, in a snap of a finger, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you forget being a young parent, one um, and two, being being in the Navy, like you forget that these kids are not they're not they're not your Navy people, they're not your buddies, you know, in the Navy. So um, it's something that I really had to work on. So I, I there was no way to do that unless I got out. You know, yeah. Um, to have that time back, I, when I was on short duty, I did I didn't have to deploy, so I started building that up, and I started seeing the difference on how he was starting to be a little more like me, and he was, um, and I was starting to get more patient with him. You know, like all of a sudden, him spilling that fucking cup of soda at Jack in the Box wasn't a big deal anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But initially, I was like, Yo, what, the, what the hell are you doing? And he's looking at me like, dude, I'm fucking five. <laughs> you know what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard, you know, and. And I saw it getting better. And my wife, too, was like, hey, dude, like, we got to make a choice here. Like, um, this is getting super difficult for me. We At this point, we had two kids now. Um, and she's like, it's going to be only harder with a daughter as well. And you need to be more present. And she said, I don't think you can do that being deployed. And I was like, no, you're, you're absolutely right. So mm. made that conscious decision, you know, too. You know, um, it's, it's, it's great to listen to you talk about your wife because um, part of the mission uh, what we're doing here at Urban Valor is to uplift the military spouses, right? Um, whether it be a wife or a husband, um, because, you know, I, I, I think they deserve a lot more recognition, um, you yep. know, cause you know, having a wife at home or a husband at home, um, while you're overseas and somebody that's taking care of your kid, um, you know, for me, and I'm sure for you, um, it, you know, it gives you that inspiration and motivation to keep pushing forward, you know, and, and they're really your rock. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, it, it, uh, you know, um, how important was it, you know, for your wife, you know, obviously your wife's important, but how important was it for you for her to, be, you know, stick by your side during your time in service? Um, I always tell her, like, because, you know, you do get the, uh, the slight resentment, right? Because they always take the back seat and they have to put their careers on hold and they're, you know, uh, professional development or whatever it is that they want to do on hold to make sure that they support you because the military comes first. Um, I always told her, dude, like every, every ounce of success that we've had from the moment we got together till now, um, you got to know that you are like, you know, 75% of that because I couldn't have done it without her. That's for sure. You know what I mean? Like, um, like you said, like that, that, um, that inspiration that comes from having your family and, and to be able to provide or whatever it is and, and, and to make it out of that episode of your life successfully, like that's, um, that's what keeps you going. Right. Mm-hmm. So if, if for whatever reason she would have said like, you know what, this is not for me, I'm gonna call it a quits in the middle of my enlistment. Like, what was I going to do? There's not much you can do. Right. So, um, and then that motivation kind of goes away. It's like, well, fuck it. Like, I don't, my wife's gone, my kid's with her, like. What, what do I have to? And I think that a lot of ver- like veterans deal with that, you know. Um, but yeah, dude, she was definitely, uh, she still is 100%. She still backs me up 100%. Um, I couldn't be more thankful for That's her, awesome. to be honest. Um, <clears throat> did you struggle at all transitioning out of the military? Yeah, man, we should, we should definitely touch on that, right? Yeah. I think that not enough people, um, I think that whole like invincible complex um, that we get, that you need to have that mentality, you need to have out there, right? Like to be successful in, in the greatest military um, in the world or any military, I guess you could say. But to be like that fucking macho that we got this, like we're going to make it out of here. We're going to, 
we're going to be successful. We're going to win. Um, you kind of put your, your, uh, your well-being in the backseat, you know, so you don't really prepare um, for the world when, when you're about to get out. And I don't think the military, you know, I don't think our government does a good job. It's better. It's much better because I heard it used to be like, here's your fucking DD-214. Good luck, buddy. You know, mm-hmm. um, and now there is a transition class. I got to go through this thing called TAPS. Um, it's I can't remember the acronym, you know, but it's like transition assistance program or something like mm-hmm. that for servicemen. Um, and it did help me like it did teach me to not cuss in the, you know, because you can't do that shit no more. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you um, can't call people pussies for not doing their work. Um, like you go out, you get fired for that. So they teach you that um, they teach you how to write an as a resume, you know, which helps you out a lot, I think. And they give you like a lot of tools, you know, they have, they do have some, um, what do they call them? Like, like job placement, you know, um, agencies that like, I, I think shout out to Orion. Um, they helped me out mm. getting out to, to place me in a job. Um, that related to my military experience, of course, but I still don't think it's enough, man. Cause you could just show up to that class and, and not do nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there isn't any real, like checks and balances there, um, checking back in with the service member, especially the younger cats. You know, I was, I was getting out, I was 28 years old. I had a family. So I was slightly, you know, this much more mature than the next guy. Um, and I knew that I had to get a job or else I was going to be fucked. Right. Me and my family. But like, if I was, you know, when, when I joined, if I was 24 getting out and I didn't have a family and, you know, in my job in the military, you know, or I didn't know how to translate that to the civilian world, I would have been screwed, dude, 100%. I'm like that 0.1% um, that got lucky on the way out, you know? Most of my buddies struggled when they got out to get jobs. Shit, most of them struggled to have a place to live, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like the transitioning program has to get better. Mm-hmm. And 90 days isn't enough. Like, 90 days out, you get to go transition. Like, mm-hmm. what the f- dude, like, civilian people, it take it's, you know, kids get out of college and it takes them six months to get a job and they're fucking engineers, you know? And it's right. like... How are you giving this guy who's changed aircraft tires for four years, three months, you know, to, to, uh, to try to figure things out when he gets out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that gave me a, that definitely left a sour taste in my mouth for sure. I was like, you know, I got lucky. I got a job right off. I had a job before I got out, if I'm honest. Mm. I, uh, I got recruited. So, um, they even waited for me, uh, I guess, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they really liked me to, to get, um, to move over to SpaceX, but, I, like I said, a bunch of my buddies had the same experience that I did, worked on the same shit that I did, got out and couldn't figure it out, man. Wow. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and that's, that's a, that's a, that's a bad time from. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, do you have any, any struggles transitioning back into, you know, intermix mixing in with civilians again? Yeah. We were talking about that earlier, right? Yeah. 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 That's another thing, dude. Like there's so many resources that go to so many things in our militaries that, Let's be real, man. Sometimes you question that show when you're out there. You're like, do we really need that? Do we really need that stockpile there? You know, of, of useless shit that we're going to throw out at mm-hmm. some point. Um, and it makes me wonder because I think mental health is one of the things that I, uh, that I thought wasn't real when I was in the Navy, you know, like, oh, those guys, they don't, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to get out. You know, they're just, they're too institutionalized. Mm-hmm. That's what we used to say. Right. Um, and then you get out and you're like, no, this shit's real. I don't know what I'm doing out here. I don't fit in. I don't know how to talk to people. Um, you know, like, um, I used to think anxiety was fake. I used to think people would make that shit up to go to sick call, you know? And then I got out 
and then I had anxiety, you know, from like, I remember going to fucking movie theaters and like sitting like as close to the exit as possible and thinking like, shit, like, what do I do? Some guy comes in here and blasts up this place, you know, like, mm-hmm. or um, like I was telling you something as simple as like people walking on the wrong side of the fucking hallway at work, you know, and I bump into them, I'm like, what are you doing? And they're looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, like, yeah. we walk wherever the fuck we want here, you know, like there's no side to walk on. Um, and all these things were stressing me out a lot. And then you, you pile on like the stresses of, of real life, you know, of non-military life. Cause when you're in the military, the one thing you don't worry about, which is really cool is a job, right? right. That paycheck comes in no matter what, as long as you sign your name on the line. So, um, here it's like, you can get fired, dude. Like tomorrow you might be out of a job. So mm-hmm. that's always something that's, that's in the back of your head. So, um, yeah, you, you, you added that to all the little things that you're not used to seeing or that were wrong when you were in the military and you start piling it up. And before you know it, you're blowing a gasket, dude. You know, mm. like I, I told my wife how like I would, I would get super mad when people would drag their feet, you know, because when you, you're in the Navy or in any military, you know, like if you don't walk with the purpose, like you get called out in a heartbeat. Right. Like, where the fuck are you going? What are you doing? Right. Like no one, no one hunched over to do anything in the at least not in where i were in the navy that i was in you know so everything was like hey go do that you're fucking up and going so having to ask people to do things like my first leadership position i ever took in in the military like got in trouble for cursing at someone you know like hey dude you can't cuss at people and i was like well i asked them to do it and they're like well how did you ask them well i was like well i told them to go do it and they're like no you have to ask people you know and i'm like what the hell's going on here like i would just tell my guys to go do stuff when i was in when i was in like, <laughs> <laughs> and you get and we go home when you're done you know right. and, and here it's like hey dude like it's three o'clock i'm going home and it's like you didn't even finish dude and it's like well bye yeah and i'm like oh my god you yeah. know it just it's it was uh it's it's a hard transition dude i think we need to start like really highlighting that for people getting out that it's going to be a different world when you get out man yeah it's going to be different and you got to get you got to be ready for it do you think there's anything that um that you know a a, a military servicemen or women can do to prepare themselves for it before getting out um Um, i would say like first things first like please 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 for all you guys still in go to go to sick call please document Mm. everything that's that you're that you feel that's hurting you on the way out or even you know while you're in like i I remember getting hurt on the flight deck i remember i was man i was fresh still i don't know maybe like a year in and I was like, it was night, nighttime, night ops, and I'm running, I'm hauling ass, right? And there's like, we used to tie down these planes with these big chains, and I didn't see it, dude. Like, it's a rusted chain, I didn't see that at night, you know? And I'm running, and I have these like chocks to chalk up the aircraft, you know? And I trip, and I ate shit pretty good. And then, you know, on the flight deck, they have this stuff called non-skid. It's like super grippy asphalt, you know? And it just destroyed my left knee. Mm. and I remember it hurt like a motherfucker, you know, but like I got up and I just kept going, you know, and they like called me to the side afterwards, like after flight, I was like, Hey dude, how's that knee? And it's like, you know, it's destroyed. And I was like, Oh, it's fine. You know, like I didn't want to be the weak one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, um, and even then, even though I didn't go to sick call, right. I still got shit for it. Like we still went back to, you know, Hey, how's that knee pussy? You know, mm-hmm. like, and it's like, damn dude, like go get that shit checked out. You never know. Like I have trouble with it up to date. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and it's like, I didn't document it. So like, you know, um, same thing for like your head, dude. I remember being stressed out in the, in the military or when I first got out and like, oh, it'll go away, it'll go away. And it doesn't, you know what I mean? You're just mm-hmm. making it worse. Um, so like do your, do yourself, you know, that favor of, of taking care of yourself. Cause 
man, there's like too many people that just don't make it, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's super sad that they were like a phone call away or a therapist away or a session away, you know, from, from still being here with us or, or feeling okay. You know what I mean? Like right. you see all these guys out there that they're vets and they're having a really hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude, trust me. Like as soon as I let my ego go and I put my guard down and I was like, I'm a fucking normal human being like everybody else that just has a little bit extra experience on that side of things. Um, it changed my life, you know, like I got therapy. I went to see a therapist and, you know, shout out to her. She, she did a great job with me. And two months later, I was a new person, dude. Like that's nice. all it took for me. Watch like two months, like two months to be a better dad, to be a better human, to be a fucking better husband. Like, um, to me, that's worth every, every, right? every it's, second of it, you know? So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, fuck anybody saying that, oh, you yeah. got, you're a pussy. You got to go see a therapist. Like, what you just said and what you just, you know, had the balls to go do and go see a therapist and you just said it made you a brand new person. I mean, fuck the person that thinks it's yeah. you. I mean, it's it, now it's better for your wife. It's better for your kid, um, for your family and for every and for everybody that you're around. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. Like, why, why are you going to put your family through that hardship? You know, just because someone that you don't even know sometimes. Right. Yeah. That doesn't know you. Yeah. The person you are like or what you've been through. Um. Like, why are you going to give them that time of day and, and yeah. hold on to something? Like, yeah, dude, like getting home, being short with your kids, that's fucked up. You know right, what I mean? Right. Now you're putting them in the position to go get therapy mm-hmm. after. Like, it's just a chain that never ends. So I was yeah. like, man, I really I really needed to go. And it, and it's like you said, right? Like, I think we got to be super clear on the fact that it's not just combat veterans that have a hard time um, getting out. Like, uh, I, t- I tell people all the time, like, man, you're, you're a kid. You're like 18, 19, 20 years old. Like you're still developing like there's kids you know in college at that point doing some real dumb shit and you're overseas doing some real grown man shit you know Mm -hmm. like or doing whatever you got to do um like the amount of responsibility that we put on our service members at at such a young age and the shock that it is to go from being coddled at home right to like becoming a a grown man overnight like that shit's not nothing to like blink at you know so Mm -hmm. um i think we got to start taking those things into account I think a lot of people like to compare like, oh, you know, my fucking grandpa in World War II, like he fucking killed Nazis and shit. And he was just fine when he came back. First and foremost, you don't even know that. You don't know what that guy had to fight the rest of his life, you know? Mm -hmm. And secondly, like cultures change, dude. Like your grandpa was probably fucking working when he was 14 years old and he was a grown man by the time he was 18, you know? Mm -hmm. But like we're talking about like, you know, kids our age, like, dude, I was playing video games before I went to Navy, Mm -hmm. you know, I was still a child, like. In, in, in what it fits, like you might be grown, but in here you're still a kid, you know what I mean? Right, right. So I think that's uh I think that has an effect on people. And I think that when you get out, like you gotta you gotta you gotta pay attention to it, you gotta listen to it. Um mm. because it'll come back to get you for sure. Right, right. Yeah, it's powerful, man. Um well we're gonna get ready to wrap it up and cut the tape. Uh, but before I do I give everybody opportunity to say any last words before we cut it off, man. Um Thank you, you know, for the program. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad I, I like, like I told, like we talked a little bit before, like I'm one of the lucky ones that like got out and immediately had, um, a system where like, or a support system that, that worked. Um, but, uh, and I've been wanting to do a little more, you know, I have some friends that didn't have the same luck that I did. And I think that what you're doing is super important. And I think, uh, it's, uh, um, and I've been wanting to do more and this is like the first step, right? Like you got me, you got me moving. So, um, thank you again. Uh, thank all you guys out there who do support your veterans 
And, um, and feel free, man, to like, you know, talk to people. Sometimes that's all they need. If you see like all you guys out there who have buddies who got out already, like give them a phone call, dude. It's that simple sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes people are on the verge of some real, real tough times and getting that phone call, like it'll take you back. It takes me back, you know? Like mm-hmm. sometimes I get a phone call from my buddies I've been hurting a while. And I think about all those good times overseas and getting fucked up and being in mm-hmm. strip clubs and getting in trouble and not making it to like back to the ship on time, whatever it is, you know, like you'll start remembering all those stories and it's, and it's good memories that you made. Um, and that can, it can save a life sometimes. Yeah. So please reach out to all your buddies out there and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for your service, Caesar. Thank, thank you, you for uh, coming to take the seat, man. It's a big contribution to us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Push it to the limit, I can't go no more. Red light.